If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me this morning to the 18th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. The 18th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And as you're turning, I have a confession to make. And that confession is this. I do not pray as I should. I do not pray as often as I should. You have a confession to make. You don't pray as much as you ought to. And therefore, I felt led by the Lord to speak this morning on the subject of encouragement to pray. To pray. In Luke chapter number 18, verses 1 through 8, He spake a parable unto them to this end, for this purpose, in other words, that men ought always to pray and not to faint saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Hear what the unjust judge saith. Now if you wonder what the unjust judge said, read verse 5 again. That's what he said. And when you come into verse 6, it said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Better listen carefully to what he said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. I want to zero in on verse number 1. He spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. In the first part of chapter number 18, we find presented two parables on prayer. And they are connected one with the other. One is a parable to the hopeless in verses 1 through 8. The other one is a parable to the self-righteous in verses 9 through 14. Now, it's the first parable that I would like to speak to you about this morning. And it deals with the subject and encouragement to pray using verse 1 as our text. We cannot begin to imagine how much power there is in prayer. Wars have been won through prayer. Souls 
have been saved through prayer. Hopeless cases have been cured through prayer. Homes have been united through prayer. The dead have been raised through prayer. The course of history has been changed through prayer. Cities have been spared the judgment of God through prayer. The enemy has been defeated through prayer. And we need to realize the mighty power there is in prayer. E.M. Bounds in his day and time was noted for his book on prayer. And he had so much to say about it, I'd like to read you an excerpt from Mr. Bounds' book. He says, quote, Let it be said that no two things are more essential to a spirit-filled life than Bible reading and secret prayer. No two things are more helpful to growth in grace, to getting the largest joy out of a Christian life, and toward establishing one in the ways of eternal peace, like Bible reading and secret prayer. The neglect of these all-important duties presents leanness of soul, loss of joy, absence of peace, dryness of spirit, and decay in all that pertains to spiritual life. Neglecting these things paves the way for apostasy. It gives the evil one an advantage such as he's not likely to ignore. Reading God's Word regularly and praying habitually in the secret place of the Most High puts one where he is absolutely safe from the attacks of the enemy of souls and guarantees him salvation and final victory through the overcoming power of the Lamb. Bible reading and secret prayer. Looking at the parable of encouragement to pray in verses 2 through 7. Look at verse number 2. This man was not fit to be a judge. The Bible says there was a man in the city or a judge which feared not God and neither regarded man. He was a judge, but he had no fear of God. He didn't care anything about God's laws. He didn't care anything about God's commandments and he didn't care anything about God's word. Not only that, but he cared not for people. He had no compassion. He had no understanding. And God calls him unjust in verse number 6. Another word for unjust is unsaved. A man who is unjust is unjustified. And a man who's not justified does not know the Lord. But he was a very important man and he was judge of the land. But he was deficient in these two things. He didn't care for God, didn't care for the people. Look at verse 3. This woman needed help and compassion. She's asking for vengeance and retaliation and payback. She was a defenseless widow and could not help herself. 
She had been victimized by her adversary who wanted to take advantage of her. And her adversary had mistreated and disrespected her. Look at verse 4. The judge paid no attention to the woman at first. He did not want to be bothered. He had other things to do. Probably go out and play a little golf on the golf course. It was not important to him. But in verse 5, the widow would not give up. She continually came before the judge with her problem. She became the judge's problem. He was troubled by her coming. So to shut her up, he said, I will avenge her. And look at verse number 7. It says this, And shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? All of us have an adversary. That adversary is mentioned in verse number 3. You know, in verse 3, and I want to reread it, there was a widow in that city, she came unto him, saying, avenge me of mine adversary. The word adversary from the Greek means an opponent in a lawsuit. He's an adversary. He's against you. The opponent wants to win for his side. He wants to have his will and his way. And many times lies are told and things that are not true in order to gain the opponent's advantage over the victim. In the book of Job, you will recall that Satan filed false charges against Job, did he not? When he told God, the reason Job follows you is because you're so good to him. Every time Job turns around, you're always doing something for him. You take away the blessings, God, and I tell you what, Job will curse you to your face. And then he turned right around, the adversary did, and said to Job, Job, the only reason God has anything to do with you is because of what he can get out of you. He's the adversary. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, incidentally, did you know, not everybody's your friend. You have a few people out there that don't like you. They may not have any legitimate reasons for that, but not everybody loves you. You've got an enemy out there. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, who is he? The devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. All of us have trouble with the devil. We have problems with the devil. It's a common thing. All of us have this adversary. And Satan is far more than we can handle. If the unjust judge finally helped the widow, 
because of her continually coming unto him, how much more will the just judge our Lord help his elect when they continually come before him? Thus our text, we ought to always pray and not to faint. I hope you'll memorize that first verse. He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint. Number one, men ought to pray. Not specifically men, but generically all men ought to pray. That's what the scripture said. We ought to pray. That's what I confess to you this morning. I ought to pray more. That's what I confess for you in case you weren't confessing it. You ought to pray more. Men ought to pray. Why should we pray, Brother Cozart? We've been commanded to pray. We've been commanded to pray. Jot the references down, but listen as I read them for you. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, Be careful for nothing. That means don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In other words, tell the Lord what your problems are. You don't have to tell your next door neighbor. Tell the Lord what your problems are. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. In Ephesians 6 verse 18. Praying always. How often should we pray, Brother Cozart? Always. Always. Don't you think that's a little far-fetched? No, I think that's true. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Not only do you pray for yourself, but you pray for all saints. Because all Christians have Problems with the opponent and with the adversary. So we ought to pray. We've been commanded to pray. All believers have the privilege to pray. Let me repeat that. All believers, young and old alike, have the privilege to pray. If we ought to pray, then we are permitted to pray and we can pray. There's not a commandment that says, thou shalt not pray. You're just not going to find that in the Bible. Not one time did our Lord tell a person, back up, you ought not to pray. All cannot preach. Now you think you can, you ought to try it once in a while. It'll cause you to pray for your pastor more. All cannot sing. All cannot play music. All cannot teach a class. But all can pray. Every boy, every girl, every man, every woman 
we have the privilege of praying. And it is a privilege indeed. We can pray when we have sinned. The publican prayed, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And all the time he was praying that, the Pharisee was praying, Lord, I'm so glad that I'm as good as I am. I'm I'm really astounded by my goodness. I spend 25 hours a day looking in the mirror. Not but 24, but I spend 25 hours a day. I like myself. But the publican learned how to pray. Lord, be merciful to me. What a sinner. We can pray when we are dying. The repentant thief prayed, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He was at the point of death. Those were some of the last words he uttered before he died beside the Lord on the cross. We can pray when we're sinking in despair. Now Simon Peter thought he had a real fix on life. Rugged, cussing, fisherman, knew more about anything than anybody else did. But when he walked out on the water to meet with the Lord, he began to sink in the waves. What did he say? He said, Lord, save me. He prayed. So number one, we ought to pray. We ought to pray. Number two, men ought to pray. Always. Those words are not there accidentally. They were put there providentially by God Almighty. Men ought to pray always. There's a little verse in the Bible that says pray without ceasing. This involves praying continually. I want to borrow your attention on this matter. Prayer is not a certain posture or a ritual that one has to cease all activity for. Excuse me, but I'm going to have to pray now. Or just a minute while I get on my knees so I can pray now. Prayer's not a certain posture, not a certain ritual, but it has to do with a continual reliance upon the Lord. One can pray without speaking a word. One can pray without speaking a word. One can pray in a sentence. One can pray in a thought. Take a moment to turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 1 for an Old Testament lesson on this. 1 Samuel chapter number 1. When you get there, verses 12 through 17... 1 Samuel 1, 12 through 17. It says that it came to pass as she prayed, that is Hannah, the mother of the baby to be born, Samuel. It came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Eli was standing off at a distance and he saw this woman and he watched that her mouth was moving. He watched her mouth. 
as it moved. Look at verse 13. Now Hannah, she spake where? In her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Read on. Therefore Eli thought she's drunk. And Eli said unto her, How long will you be drunken? Put away the wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Never said a word, but she was praying. Count not thine hand made for a daughter of Belial or the devil. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hereto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And notice what he said. The God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. He had no idea what she was asking the Lord to do because she wasn't praying audibly. But he said, you're making a petition to God and I pray with you that God will give you the petition you're asking him. Now, I know we're short on time, but in chapter number two, I love the way it begins. And Hannah prayed and said, now she's praying without speaking in one chapter, and now she's praying by speaking. And Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies. Because I rejoice in thy salvation. There's none holy as the Lord. There's none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. She's a praying woman. Sometimes you couldn't hear her pray. Just watch her lips move a little bit. But she was praying. We ought always to pray. And it involves praying continually. It also involves praying persistently. Not just once in a while, but praying persistently. It means to continue to ask even when the answer does not come. You say, well, how many times do I need to ask the Lord? How many times do you believe this widow knocked on the judge's door and said, Hey, it's me again. Got a problem. And I'm going to keep coming until you answer. Praying should be persistent. Persistent. Moses is a good example of that in Exodus chapter number 32. Exodus chapter number 32. Look at verses 10 through 14. He'd been with the Lord on the mount. And as he was coming down, there was a noise among the people and come to find out they had been worshiping this golden calf. And God was getting ready to strike off Israel as a nation. And in verse number 10, notice the reading of God's word there. Exodus 32, 10 through 14. God says, now therefore, Moses, he's speaking to Moses, now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make of thee a great nation. Now watch carefully verse 11. And Moses besought the Lord his God. 
Now Moses begins to make a petition to the Lord. He says, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against your people, which thou hast brought out from the land of Egypt with great power, with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out, to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember, and he's talking to the Lord. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken or will I give to your seed, and they shall inherit it for good. And what happened? And the Lord repented, or that is, he went a different direction, and the Lord repented of the evil that he thought that he would do. Why did he do that? Moses prayed. And he prayed persistently. And he prayed with all of his heart. And Israel was spared as a result of that prayer. We ought to pray always. It involves praying continually. It involves praying persistently. And it involves praying under all circumstances. Are you listening? If your business is in trouble, pray about it. If your marriage is in trouble, pray about it. If your church is in trouble, pray about it. If your health is in trouble, pray about it. If it is a personal burden, Pray about it. You need one more turning. Maybe Daniel in the Old Testament. Fellow had a good name, didn't he? Daniel chapter number 6. Daniel chapter number 6, verses 10 and 11. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, Now, you have to remember what the writing that had been signed was all about. What was it about? King Darius, look up in verse 8. Now, king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. If anybody asks anything from any god in a period of 30 days, he's to be thrown into the den of lions. Now, when Daniel knew what was in the writing, he said, oh, my goodness, Mama, we're going to have to move quick. We've got to change circumstances around here. Darius is on the bench once again. I don't know what in the world we're going to do. Somebody called the preacher. No, they should have called the undertaker. Now, when Daniel knew this writing, what was his response, church? He went into his house, his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God just like he always did. Not because of this particular problem, but it covered the problem he was facing. Prayed three times a day. When's the last time you go through a whole day and pray one time? Not three times, not ten times. 
So we ought to pray always, whatever the circumstances might be. This involves also praying with faith. Praying with faith. If we do not believe God will answer, we will not pray. A widow woman, the one we read about in Luke 18, would never have gone to the unjust judge if she did not believe he could help her. That's why she kept going to the judge. And my dear friends, God can help you. I don't care what your problem is. I don't care what your dilemma is. God can help you. If he belongs to you and you belong to him, he can help you. In the book of Isaiah chapter number 41, verses 10, 13, and 14. Isaiah 41, verses 10, 13, And 14. Verse 10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. You need some help? Well, let's look in the yellow pages and see if We can find somebody to come over and help us. Now, God said, I'll help you. Do you believe that? I will help you. Yea, I will uphold thee with my right hand of my righteousness. And look, if you would, at verse number 13. For I am the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. In case you missed it the first time, he says it again. I will help thee. And verse number 14, fear not. I love this one. Thou worm of Jacob. That's what we are. Bunch of worms. Fear not, thou worm of Jacob, and you men of Israel, I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. God will help us. God will help us in our situation. Matthew twenty one twenty two says, All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Now that doesn't mean a blanket coverage on everything you want and don't have. Lord, I've always wanted a Jaguar. I wouldn't look too, too much down the road to see if it's coming or not. When we pray, we must always keep this premise in mind. Not my will, thine be done. God's will is going to be done. Not your will, God's will will always be done. But it is praying in the will of God. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing. I believe God's going to do it. I'm trusting the Lord to do it. He said he would help us. And let's pray to him to that end. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. And the third thing, 
men not just ought to pray. And number two, men ought to pray always. But number three, men ought to pray and not faint. And not faint. The idea here is if we pray, we will not faint. And if we faint, we're not praying. The meaning of the term faint. In the English language, we think of fainting as losing consciousness. But not so in the Greek language. It comes from a Greek word that means to lack courage. It means to lose heart. It means to be faint-hearted. It means to be depressed. And it means to give up. How many times have people given up because they did not know what else to do? They had prayed, nothing happened. They didn't keep going back to the to the throne room. No, they just prayed. It didn't happen. And they just said, well, no use praying. and not going to do anything anyway. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9, let's not be weary in well-doing. And I want to tell you something. You can wear yourself out doing well. <laughs> sure you can. You can wear yourself out sometimes doing well. But be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not, if we don't quit, if we don't give up. I believe there's an application maybe to this term. Tranquilizers, mood lifters, Antidepressant drugs and sleeping pills are the order of the day. This is because there's so many things around us that are depressing and discouraging. And we have come to believe in this day and in this generation that help means run to the drugstore as quick as you can. Some even resort to suicide. The age group that's being affected more by suicide today than any other age are young people. God is a helper. God is a judge, but he is a just judge. He'll always do what's right for you. Maybe not give you everything you want. Maybe not subscribe to everything you bring up, but I tell you what God does for you will always be what you needed being done for you. And he's concerned about his laws and about his rules, but he's also concerned about people, especially his people. Fainting. Some faint fatally. What do you mean they faint fatally? They just don't wake up again. They just kick the bucket. Now, I don't know whether that's a Texas term or not. We used it in Carolina all the time. The old man gets kicked the bucket. Some faint fatally. They once seemed to get off to a good start. Pow! Come down the aisle. I just want everybody to know I love the Lord and God saved me. And la 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 la
And the first little thing comes along, they quit. They quit. They faint fatally. They seem to get off to a good start. They make a profession. They're baptized, but something happens. They quit on God and the church. They did not pray, so they fainted. And we have some members in this church that have fainted. And I pray for them every day. Oh, God, please wake them up. Some faint out of bewilderment. How do you always choose the right way? And how do you always choose the right thing? How can you know which route to take? Or what decision to make? It causes one to faint. Gives you a headache. Mr. Spurgeon tells about one of his members... One Sunday morning, he had called upon this brother to lead in prayer. And in that prayer, the layman said this, Lord, may our pastor be delivered from the bleating of sheep. May our pastor be delivered from the bleating of sheep. To which Mr. Spurgeon said, how many preachers have fainted because of the uncertain sounds of his congregation. Fix this. Fix that. Oh, don't have to worry about it. Roger, take care of it. Oh, take care of it. Ray, Ray, he'll take care of it. Oh, all the pastor will take care of it. Fixy, 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 fix. And as a result, preachers must pray or they too will faint. Have we not all been defeated at one time or another? To keep from fainting, we must pray. That is our strength. 1 John 1, nine. we close with this reference. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I would encourage you to pray this day. Don't quit. Don't give up. But pray. Men ought to pray. We can pray. We need to pray. And the alternative to fainting is praying. Praying. Let's stand please for prayer.